Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Nehemiah, chapter 6. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. You know, one of the reasons that I don't come out and talk to people, if you notice, I'm talking to people on the walkway and in the lobbies after service pretty much any given day, any given service. But before service, no, 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 no. Because before service, Satan will use somebody to say something that will just, huh? Or, or just something that, oh man, this happened, this happened. Oh, I'm so sorry. And, and, you, and, and I'm a pastor and my heart is going to hurt and, and I'm going to be burdened by that. And then I'm going to come to the pulpit with that. And my mind may be there versus here. You got to protect your time. Not only as a pastor, but as a Christian. You got to watch those roadblocks that Satan's going to throw in your way. He'll use anything. He'll use people. He used Judas to try to, uh, to, to, to turn his back on Jesus and stumble him that way. And he used Peter to try to keep Jesus from going across. Oh, no, 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 you can't. No, you're not going across. And Jesus said, Peter, get thee behind me. You don't know what you're saying. He'll use anything and anybody. He'll use people. He'll use division in the church. He'll use gossip. He'll use discord, all kinds of schemes. We are not ignorant of Satan's devices, are we? Or are we? The Bible is very, very clear about the tactics of the enemy and the schemes of the enemy and the distractions that try to keep you from staying focused on what God has called you to do. And I'd be honest and say, you know what? I always have to be on guard against distractions in the ministry because even things of the ministry can be a distraction from the ministry. In other words, people come to me all the time with wonderful ideas. Sometimes with various programs, you know, I mentioned this thing tonight I'm about the men and boys day out. And I told you, I don't come to you very often with very many things because I just don't feel like I, I, I should. But I also feel that, you know, sometime um, people bring me things or talk to me about things or we should be involved in this or we should be involved in that or we should get involved in this and we should get involved in that. And some of those things are actually a distraction from ministry. So, you know, I, I can't tell you how many times I've mentioned, okay, we're going to do a building project or in the many phases, in the many phases that we've had even in this church and we're going to expand the sanctuary or do the youth ministry and somebody comes up to me and says, hey, you know, well, this thing and this program and, you know, if you, if you were to get the people to, to buy into this or get the people to bank at this bank, then all the percentages from each person that, that signs up at this bank and go back to the church 
Or if you get the people to get involved in this thing, then, then they'll make money, but the church will also get a percentage of that. Don't get me wrong. What you do in your personal life and how you handle your own personal finance, that's what's just between you and the Lord. But I have to take all of these things to God in prayer because some of those things are just a distraction from the ministry. Some of those things are... In a sense, I feel, and, 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 and I could feel differently later, but this is how I felt many, many times, that when it comes to building the kingdom of God, that God wants his people to rally together and to build the kingdom of God. God doesn't want us to like go, you know, do this and that program and this scheme and that thing and this thing and that thing so that we can, you know, gather monies to, to build the kingdom. Uh, and, 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 and then in the end of the the building, who can we say gets the glory for the great things that he has done? We have to be careful. That's all I'm saying. We just have to be careful. And, and we have to watch how we are conducting ourselves so that in the end, when the building is built and the thing is done and, 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 and the gates are, are, are hung, that we can say to God, be the glory, great things he has done. No man has done this. Am I right? No man has done this. And I don't know how it's going to get done. I really don't. I never know. I told you about the one guy who wanted to talk to me in our conversation. He asked me, well, he told me he was upset with me because I didn't know. He didn't think he, he said, I just don't think you know what you're doing. And I said to him, duh, I don't know what I'm doing. I really don't. I really don't. Listen, I'm going to put it out there and settle it for you. Okay. I do not know what I'm doing. Y'all like, wow. <laughs> I don't, but you know what you can count on? I am trusting the Holy Spirit day by day, week by week, month by month. I'm following God. Listen, I'm going to tell you something. For me, it's been working. It's been working for me. Just simply... God, I don't know. Today, I tried to take a break from doing this. I sat on my couch, and I'm looking at all that we have before us as a church, and I just started telling God and actually crying out to God, God, I don't know. I don't know how can that be done. That is monumental. How can that be done? Scared? No bit. But I know. That God has never, 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 never failed me. And that's what I do know. So when you don't know, you need to go back to what you do know. And what I do know is that God is faithful. Somebody say amen. And what I do know that God, wait while you clap your hands there. Yes, I will. You go back to what you do know. God is faithful and God won't lead you down a path. And, and God has not brought us this far to leave us now. That I do know. And so I go back to that. Even though I don't know. Even though, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief.
And many, many have stood against the work of God. I have had my share of Sambalots and Tobias. I have. But I'll tell you something. God has used it to make me better. I'm better. I'm not bitter. I'm not bitter. I'm not angry. I'm better. And I realize that God uses things. Somebody need to hear this. God uses the bad situations in your life because God's trying to work in you, not them. And you're like, oh, God, get them. Watch, Nehemiah's the same way. I mean, you know, Nehemiah's the same way. I'm going to show you what I'm talking about. It's right here in the Bible. Nehemiah is the same way. God, get them. But God's trying to work in you. And you think God's trying to work in them. Are y'all listening? God's trying to do a work in you. You better open your eyes and see what God's trying to say to you. And stop trying to worry about what God's doing in them. Because in the end, you have God to stand before. You have to be accountable to God for what God has called you to do. Nehemiah said, why should I leave this great work to come down there and talk to you, especially in a restaurant called Oh No. I'm not going to do it. And Nehemiah said, and I know that you want to hurt me. I know that you're trying to harm me. I know that you don't mean things for my good. They're seeking to isolate Nehemiah to the plane of, oh, no. Satan will seek to isolate you. And that's why we've been talking about in Hebrews chapter 10, 25. Write it down. Don't forsake to assemble yourselves together. You know that verse. But Nehemiah doesn't get distracted because of discernment. Discernment is critical in the life of the believer and the leader. And without discernment, you're dead. And usually you're going to make the wrong decision. Did you hear that? Without discernment, you're dead and you're going to make the wrong decision. Now, what is discernment? Well, here's a clear definition a good, clear definition of discernment. Discernment is the ability to judge things and see things as God sees them. Isn't that simple, clear? Discernment is the ability to judge things and see things as God sees them. I think of 1 Samuel and reminded of 1 Samuel 16, 7, for the Lord does not see as man sees, for man looks at the outward, but God looks at the what? The heart, you know that. Samuel and everybody else saw a little ruddy boy. God saw a king, a man after his own heart. Nehemiah discerns the real motive for their meeting. They wanted to do me harm. Discernment is the great need of the hour. I really believe that. I'd even say the first thing Lacking, the number one thing lacking in the church today is discernment. People follow leaders who tell them to do what they say instead of following leaders who say, do what I do or follow me as I follow Christ. People accept things because it looks good or it sounds good and they don't even take the time to weigh things against God's word. Maybe Nehemiah got a word from God, and maybe he went to the Bible and read Proverbs 27, 6. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. Maybe. 
You know, we need a word from God. And when you need a word from God, hear me, God will give you a word. I remember. I was writing this sermon today and I thought it came back to my memory. I remember one day I was at the Naval Hospital in Camp Pendleton. It's probably 20 plus years ago now. And I was at the Naval Hospital Camp Pendleton and I was stationed there and I was walking down the hall and I needed a word from God. I needed, I wasn't past Rodney then. I was like E0 and, and, and walking down the hall. Not, not, not O, officer, E0, E nothing. And I remember I was walking down the hall, and I needed a word from God. I was so cast down, and I was just so tried and, 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 and tempted to do a certain thing, and I needed a word from God. And I walked into the chapel in the hospital. Every hospital got a chapel. Walking into the hospital chapel, I sat down. I about just took a Bible off the back pew, opened it up. The Bible flipped open to Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. And let me tell you something, that verse, I will never forget this. It was like somebody took a yellow highlighter and highlighted that verse on that page. Tell me God won't give you a word when you need one. If, he, if God got to use a celestial highlighter to, <laughs> to come down, you open the Bible, and God said, there you go. You can't miss this. Yes, he did. I'm happy about it. Yes, he did. God will give you a word when you need one. So I hear you. You're saying, Pastor Rodney, if the sermon is so critical, then how do I get it? Well, I'm glad you asked. Number one, how do you get it? You need to know the word of God. We'll talk about the sermon. You need to know God's word. If you're going to see things as God sees things, then you need to know the word of God. Number two, spiritual maturity comes from knowing and obeying the word of God. Hebrews 5, 12 through 14 says that discernment is something spiritual babies don't have. A baby will stick anything in his mouth. Discernment. The Bible talks about the gift of discernment. So if you want discernment, ask God for it. Ask God for the gift of discernment. 1 Corinthians 12.10. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, discerning of spirits. Discerning of spirits. So if you don't have this gift and you like this gift, then ask God for it. Perhaps God will give you the gift of discernment. But I think you'll find as you know God's word, this gift of discernment will sharpen. Every Christian has discernment. You know why? Because every Christian has the Holy Spirit living inside of them. So when you hear something and it doesn't sound right, you go. Or, you know, like the lips of unbelief. I don't know about that. You know, you you know what I'm talking about. You hear something, you go. And maybe you don't do it like on the outside, but on the inside you're doing that. You're going, you know, because you have the Holy Spirit living with inside of you. Every Christian has the gift of, or, or, or some level of um, discernment. But if you're in the ministry, and especially if you're a pastor, you have to have this gift. I believe the gift of discernment comes with the pulpit ministry. 
if God called you. If God didn't call you, well, then you're on your own. But if God's called you, then you're going to have this gift because God knows that you can't do the ministry without it. Without discernment, we can think a dangerous invitation is from an enemy and, and it's really an offer of reconciliation. Without discernment, you can think presumption is faith. Without discernment, you can think our own noble desires are God's promises. Without discernment, we can think God is saying later and he's saying now. Or you can think the opposite. We need the gift of discernment. Notice in verse 3, they invited Nehemiah to lunch in the plain of Ono, and Nehemiah is discerning enough to say, hey, I've been called to a great work of God. I had you underline that, a great work of God. Nehemiah calls it a great work. You know what? Whatever you're doing for the kingdom of God, it's a great work for God. It's a great work. He's not just putting one stone on top of another. Nehemiah knew God's work is more than bricks and mortar. It's more than mortar under your fingernails. It's more than blisters on your hands. He knew that it was God's blisters and God's calling. It might have looked like a mundane thing to other people, but to Nehemiah, putting one stone upon another day after day was something that God wanted him to do. And it was the one thing that God wanted him to do. Listen, every time I put those two words together in a sentence. I am reminded of Psalm 27, verse 4. And it was David, memory verse, it was David who said, One thing have I desired, and that will I seek after, that I might dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord, and to inquire in his temple. This word, one thing, is a word to every single one of us. One thing, in an age of hustle and bustle and day planners and laptops and cell phones and Blackberries and iPods and iPads and Nooks and every other electronic device you can think of, if we could just set our hearts on one thing, I really believe this is a secret to Christian living. Not six things, not 10 things, not 20 things. One thing. The concept of one thing, if you track it through the scriptures, is a very important concept. Jesus said to a guy who was rich, he was young and he was a ruler, the rich young ruler. Jesus said, you know the commandments. And the rich young ruler said, yeah, 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 I've kept them all. And Jesus said, one thing you lack, go your way, sell everything. Jesus said to Martha, one thing is needful, and Mary has chosen the better part. Paul said in Philippians 3.13, one thing I do, forgetting the things behind, reaching toward the things ahead. David said, one thing I desired of the Lord, and that one thing I will seek after, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. Simple as this, David says, I want one thing. And what is that? God, to concentrate on you. One thing, God, I want to be in your house to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. Just one thing. Your life can get a whole lot simpler if you whittle it down. You heard that word in a minute, have you? Whittle it down 
to one thing. Not so many things. We're all scattered all over the place. The church, people, Christians. We're all over the place. In ministry, we're serving the Lord. And, oh, you know, you get, you get, you get bored here and you, you're getting involved in that. And then, oh, that's getting old. And then you're getting involved in that. And, oh, that's getting old and getting involved in that. You know, I praise the Lord that God is, is, has helped us over these years just to keep plodding through the word. Verse 7, chapter 8, chapter 9, chapter 10, chapter 11, chapter 12. We're starting a new book next week, chapter one, chapter two, chapter three. Really? There's a health in that. And there is a safety in that. And I've seen them come, I'm going to wait. <laughs> and I've seen them come, and I've seen them go. And when they came, we were chapter one. And when they go, we were chapter one, chapter two. And guess what? When they came back, we were chapter one, chapter two. There's just something very healthy about staying in the word of God and, and just being about one thing. Aren't we not about many things? We're people, people ask me even at the but look, well, Pastor, you know, what's the, I'm new to the church, and what's the church about? Yeah, we're just teaching the Word of God. That's it? Pretty much. I can't really handle much more. I'm really tired. <laughs> Gee whiz. <laughs> Gee whiz, I'm really tired. I mean, I can't handle much more. I mean, what? What? What else is there? What else is there, really? I really don't even know what I would be telling you if I just came to church and just made up sermons and had to think of stuff. I don't know how people do it. I really don't. I, I, I mean, I'm serious. I, I, I have to give them props because I, I couldn't do it. I couldn't, like, come up with stuff every week. And what are we going to talk about this week? What are we going to talk about? What are we going to, you know, what are we going to talk about? Oh, faith. Yeah, we'll talk about faith. Yeah. What are we going to talk about next week? Uh, faith. Yeah, that's what... <laughs> And what are we going to talk about next week? Uh, blessings and faith. And I just can't do it. I really honestly enjoy the new stuff in the scriptures. Every time we open, it's like new stuff. Man, this is like a gift, a gift every single week. It's like, whoa, man, look at that. Thank you, Lord. There's another gift of something new. How many of us, every time we walk out of here, we've learned something new? I have that I didn't know. Praise the Lord. That's the way it's supposed to be. Oh, we got to move on. One thing is so important. So important. Nehemiah said, I'm going to lead this work, this great work. How do you see what God has called you to do? How do you see it? Is it a great work to you? Three guys were laying bricks, same job site. A little boy asked, the first guy, what are you doing? What does it look like? I'm laying bricks. The second guy, what are you doing? I'm building a building. The third guy, what are you doing? I'm building a cathedral where people will come to worship the living God. Perspective. Bricks? I'm bricks. A building? 
I'm building a cathedral for the living God, for people to come and worship God and love God and worship God. It's all a matter of perspective. Nehemiah said, I, what, what, I believe this great work of one stone upon another to come and talk to you, it's not going to happen. Saints, we need to refocus. Somebody say amen. And we need to be about that thing that God has called us to do and don't let anything distract us from that purpose. Verse 4 tells us, they asked Nehemiah to come down four times and after this, Satan's motto, if at first you don't succeed, try, 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 try again. Nehemiah answered them the same way each time. Nehemiah knew he was involved in a great work, a monumental work. And when the enemy comes with his tactics, he's coming back. Satan's not going to say, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't realize you got victory over that. He's not going to say that. He's not going to say, oh, I didn't realize you were so committed. Satan will come back. He'll keep checking back with you. So then what do you do? James 4, 7, submit yourself to God and resist the devil and he will flee you. Remember, sometimes God allows the return of the enemy. God allows the repetition of things we struggle with because God uses it to strengthen us. And when God's working, he's always building more than one thing. Point number two, insinuation. We just read it in verse five through nine. Again, and go ahead and peruse it with me in verse five through nine. Again, we're not ignorant of Satan's devices. This is the fifth time they seek to distract Nehemiah. So we learn when Satan can't distract with a peace offering, he'll seek to lie and slander your name. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch and Calvary Chapel Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light. Let me be a salt.